You're listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. The goal of this podcast is to help business owners be successful and gain the advantage. Nancy has helped some of today's top Fortune 500 companies across a wide spectrum of industries work through their toughest challenges. She can help you too. So if you can't find the solutions you need, there are no more books to read or workshops to attend. The Nancy Gaines Show can be the difference between your success and failure. And now your host, Nancy Gaines. Hi, this is Nancy Gaines, and welcome to the Nancy Gaines Show, where we provide actionable ideas for entrepreneurs to grow their business and be even more productive. The focus of today's podcast is all about how to successfully grow a consulting practice. And I'm super excited to have a very special guest with me, Michael Zapersky. Let me tell you all about him. He's an author, entrepreneur, and the CEO of ConsultingSuccess.com, where he runs a seven-figure consulting business as he travels the world with his family. He's consulted for organizations and advised leaders on every continent except for Antarctica and in over 30 industries, from service providers to billion-dollar multinational corporations. He's helped over 300 consultants add six and seven figures to their annual revenue, and he's a speaker who gives keynotes and workshops for the Certified Management Consultants Association, Canadian Internet Marketing Conference, Chartered Management Institute UK, and so many more. And he's also appeared on Top Media. Wow, this is going to be a great show. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else do you want to add to that introduction? Oh, hey, Nancy. I think you did a wonderful job. Uh, glad to be with you and excited to, to dive in. Awesome. Very cool. We're, we're excited to learn from you. So many people decide to leave their corporate jobs when they hit a certain age and they decide, hey, I think I should be a consultant. What makes one person fail at consulting and while other people thrive after leaving the corporate world? Any insight? Yeah, certainly. I, I wouldn't say that it's one thing. It's probably uh, several factors that often kind of combine. But the first is making sure that you truly have an expertise. Consulting is all about helping people to solve problems that they have or to reach a desired you know, goal or, or state more efficiently and effectively. So you need to be able to add real value and results for those that you want to serve. And, and that comes from having a deep expertise and a skill set set. Uh, if you don't have that, then work on developing that and you'll certainly get to that place. The next thing though that often comes up is people believe that the consulting business is all about consulting, but it's not. It's much more about relationships and marketing. And that's because if you don't have clients, you don't have a business. Uh, you might have great skills, but if you don't have people that you can serve, then you're not going to be able to put those skills to work. So very important to be focused on marketing your business consistently because clients are really the lifeblood of every consulting business. Absolutely. So what is the best way to find new clients? Because I struggled moving from corporate to consulting because it's way different. And when you're in corporate, everybody knows what your job is and who you are, and they go to you for certain things. When you're a consultant, it's a lot of people out here. How do you stand out? And I had a really hard time. So how do people find clients? Yeah, it's a great question. And again, there isn't one way to do this. You know, there's many different approaches. So it really comes down to looking at what are your strengths? And then second, where are your ideal clients currently? Now, what I mean by that is if you're trying to serve, let's say 85 year old, you know, males or, or females, if those are your ideal clients, using a webinar is probably not the best way to attract those people, right? It's just, it's, it's not the most efficient and effective path. So figure out where are your ideal clients? Do they attend certain 
conferences? Uh, are they part of certain groups, professional organizations, or otherwise? For some people, you know, getting in front of an ideal client by speaking at the right places can be very, very powerful and effective for them. For others, LinkedIn is a really great platform. I mean, LinkedIn provides you, once, you, once you're clear on who your ideal client is, uh, it gives you the ability to not only identify the exact person that you want to target, meaning that they have the right job title in the right geography, in the right industry, at the right size of company, and a whole host of other factors. Now you know who they are, but you can also start to build a relationship with them. And so we've seen many of our clients over the years use LinkedIn as a great platform to be able to not only identify, but then actually start to connect and engage and build meaningful relationships that turn into business. I love LinkedIn, but I also hate getting spammed by LinkedIn. Do you have any yes. tricks on how not to... Like, seriously, people connect with me and all of a sudden it's like, buy my stuff. That's yes. not cool. 100%. I mean, I just actually did a training yesterday for our audience about this topic because LinkedIn, like many other uh, you know, online channels, is used by, by marketers and people that are not thinking about building relationships. They're thinking about transactions. And that's really the difference between a consulting business where you're working with businesses and savvy buyers and then consumers where you're selling you know, socks or, or toothpaste. Um, people are investing significant sums into working with consultants typically, right? They're sizable projects. And so someone doesn't just kind of flip a switch and say, okay, let's, let's buy. And so just treating them as a transaction is not effective. Rather, you have to think about value. How can you provide value to that person? What can you do to really make an impact so they see you uh, stand out from the other people in the marketplace. And so LinkedIn, if you approach it with the mindset of, yeah, I'm just trying to try and sell what I have and tell people, here's what I do and why you should buy from me, you're probably not going to get a very good response. And like you, I get those types of inquiries all day long and I'm not a fan of them. Rather, if you can reach out to someone and find a point of kind of common interest or find something that just allows you, maybe it's someone that you both know, then you connect and then after the, the connection has been accepted, then you find ways to add value. Maybe you have a report or an article or a video or some other piece of content that you can share with them. Maybe even something that you didn't create, but that you believe that they might find value, valuable. Well, that's a great way to start a relationship off because you're not trying to get anything. You're just giving. And what happens when you do that is that people start to appreciate you. They think about you. And then you're in a much better position to transition that conversation into exploring what they're currently dealing with and how you may be able to help them. It's funny you say that because I've actually responded to a few people that have just cold pushed their stuff and said, oh, what I'm really curious, what made you reach out and connect? And it's crickets. They never even answer. So they took the time to send me a letter or use an automated tool, but then they don't respond when I respond. Has that happened to you as well? Yeah, I think it's happened to, to all of us, right? The, the reality is that many people now are using technology as uh, with the belief that somehow it's going to help them to get instant results. Uh, but technology is just really the purpose of it is to make that process more efficient. It doesn't replace the, the relationship or the value focus that should be in place. So, you know, yes, I get those all the time, but like you, I don't do very much with them. Uh, and that's why I think people are going to be much better served by really looking at this as a long-term, you know, value focused and kind of relationship approach, because then you're investing into relationships. And when you start a relationship, you're not expecting that someone's going to buy from you tomorrow or today, but rather they might buy from you weeks or months or years down the road. And you have enough of those relationships that you're cultivating over a period of time, which turns into, you know, what we call in sales, a pipeline. Well, now you have plenty of opportunity and you'll have lots of business coming in, you know, for the long term. Yeah. Pipelines are really important. So speaking of pipelines, part of being a consultant is pricing. And I struggled with this, and I know some of my consulting clients do as well. What do they charge after they've been leaving or working in the corporate world? Do you have any tips on hourly, flat rate, projects? How do you tell people to price stuff? 
Yeah, I'm not a fan of, of hourly billing. Um, I think it sets you as a commodity, but also it doesn't work well for the consultant or the buyer. I mean, essentially the consultant wants to work more to make more. The buyer wants the consultant to work less because then they pay less. It's just, it's things aren't, aren't it's not a good, you know, dynamic or, or relationship to have. Uh, rather, I always recommend to clients that they focus on on value and ROI, meaning, you know, what is the real value, the results, the outcome, and the return on investment that you're going to be able to provide to that client, uh, and then base your fees in connection to that. So if you're, as an example, going to create a million dollar gain for a client, then, you know, earning anywhere between $100,000 or even $200,000 might make great, you know, good sense because it's, it's a nice, you know, 10 five to 10 times kind of return on investment for that client. And most people would be very happy to invest $100,000 if they're going to make a million dollars. But there's other factors at play because just because you're creating, let's say a $50 million gain doesn't mean that you can charge, you know, kind of, you know, a five ROI on that. It might not make sense. So there's other factors that consultants need to consider, which is what type of conversation are you actually having with that buyer? If you're just going in and you're saying, hey, here's my fee and it's based on value, well, there's a good chance that the buyer won't really understand that value and they're not going to see and, not, and feel that that is justified. But if you go in there and you have what we call a meaningful consulting sales conversation where you're really taking them through, you're helping to identify that value, to communicate and convey that value, and you get agreement on that value by really going deep into what that ideal client cares about the problem they're having, the, the you know the cost of inaction. So COI, if, if they don't take take action, you know what will happen to them, or what do they stand to to lose? You know, going and exploring all these things really what helps you to get to higher levels of value, and that's part of making sure that you can receive higher fees. Do you ever get pushback on that when you're like, hey, you're getting 10x on your return? Well, so if a buyer pushes back on that, it means they haven't seen the value, right? Because where right, right now, where can you get? a 10x return on your investment. You, I mean, you're not probably not getting in the stock market. You're probably not getting in real estate. You're certainly not getting it at the bank. So it's all about priorities and it's all about making sure that you know, you're not trying to sell something to, to someone. I think, I think this is a big mistake that people make in this business is they look at sales as something that you do to someone, but rather sales is something you do with someone. And when you're collaborating, when you're having a real conversation, when you're looking for ways to create value, then it's beneficial for the buyer. And so as part of that, you get the buyer's acceptance that, hey, if you're going to have a million dollar gain here, here's what we're going to be doing. The investment is just $100,000, right? You're getting a 10 times return on, on your investment. Most people tend to think that's fair if you've had the right conversation, but it's all about having that conversation first. It's another example is I see many consultants who go in and they submit proposals and they don't win the business and they're wondering why. And it's because they've tried to use the proposal as a way to win business. They're using that as kind of like their marketing and sales tool. But a proposal is not meant for that. You surely have won the business essentially before you submit the proposal. And the proposal is more about just kind of getting final confirmation, acceptance, and finalizing the investment and, and terms. That's really insightful because I know so many people spend so much time because their proposals aren't very standard. And then they're like, I invested all this time and didn't get the business. So I like how you reframe that, that it's really just... It's really just a contract, yeah. a written contract after you've already verbally agreed, right? That's correct. I mean, if, if the consultant or the buyer is rushing too quickly to a proposal without having a deep, meaningful consulting sales conversation, then there's a very good chance that you're going to find yourself going nowhere, that the buyer will just disappear. They'll go quiet. They won't respond to you because really they were just saying, give me a proposal to get you off their back or that you were rushing to try and win the business really quickly. And then you write up the proposal. But what you quick, you know, what you then realize is that number one, you don't actually know what the value is because you haven't dug into that. And so now you're going to leave a lot of money on the table with your fees. But number two, when you 
put that proposal to the client, the client looks at it and goes, well, that actually isn't what we want. And it's because you didn't dive deep enough into the conversation initially to really understand what is it that they want? Why is it important to them? What happens if they don't do that? And explored all these other factors. And that's why it's so critical to do that first so that when you go and present a proposal, it's really on point. It speaks to exactly what the ideal client wants. They see the value in it and they see the investment, again, as an investment, not as a cost. That's awesome. Very cool. Hey, how do you help people scale? I know that's one of your specialties. How can people scale when they are the expertise of the company? Yeah, so it's a great question. There's several different factors and kind of identified six principles that I that we personally use in our businesses and we've helped many of our clients to implement in theirs. I don't know if we have time for all six, but I'm very happy to, to share a few here with you. And the first one really comes down to having a simple business model. Far too often, people believe that growth comes through addition by adding things, adding more products, adding more services. But in fact, if you study the most successful companies over time, you'll see that they really got their early traction. They really start to see success and to be able to scale by, by subtraction, by removing things, by being very, very focused on what they're offering. And so what we've been able to identify is that if you want to have a million plus dollar business, you typically only need to have one or two offerings. You can have three, but it's not always necessary. One or two offerings can easily get you to a million dollars with a very high profit margin and then beyond. So the number that's the first thing is making sure you have a very simple business model. Don't overcomplicate it. The more offerings you have, the more different components you have, the more complexity that you have in complexity doesn't scale very well. Another principle here, uh, if I can share is really around team. You know, it's quite common for people, for entrepreneurs in, in any line of business to believe that they should try and do as much as they can themselves because they're going to save money. And they always, you know, I remember that, that day where many years ago, about 19, I guess probably 18 years ago, it's been 19 years or so now since I started my first consulting business, but probably the first year in, things were going okay. But I remember saying to myself, yeah, I should, I should really bring someone else on or I should you know, get some help here. But I thought, no, 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 I'm just going to save that, save a bit more money. And later when I've made a bit more, then I'll go out and, and get someone. And I would continue doing that until I actually woke up one day and realized that that was very foolish because what I could go out and pay someone $20 an hour or $50 an hour, whatever, whatever it might be, the equivalent for me, even though I wasn't charging an hourly fee at that time, I was moving to, towards value and ROI focused fees. You know, if, if I broke it down into what the value of one hour is worth, it might have been $250 or $350 or, or whatever at that time. And so I was actually losing, let's say if it was $250, I was losing $200 with every hour that I spent doing that work myself. And so the, the, the shift in mindset, right, was really to see, okay, I could pay someone, let's just say $50 an hour to do that. And for $50 an hour, you, you can get very good talent, very good people to help you with all kinds of stuff. And so then I paid $50 for that, that, you know, that hour of, of work. Well, now I freed myself up to go out and do bigger work, right? That was valued at $500 an hour or whatever it might be. So every hour that I was spending, essentially, I thought I was saving $50 an hour, but it was actually costing me $200 an hour by doing it myself. That's something I teach when I speak to groups as well. I call that your, oh, now I'm drawing a blank on what it's called, but it's kind of like the number and anything below that number, you need to outsource. Whatever your hourly rate is, whether it's around your house or whether it's in your business, it's just not worth your time. So I like how you actually say you're losing money. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and it frees up the entrepreneur to then really understand that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? You can shift your focus to, okay, I have all these lower value tasks. I don't need to be doing all those myself. Why don't I just go off and find someone that can do those so then I can free myself up to work on the higher value uh, areas. Perry Marshall in his book, 8020 Marketing, has a really good chart in there that uh, he breaks down in columns. There's $10 an hour work, $100 an hour work, $1,000 an hour work, and $10,000 an hour work. 
And what most people get stuck in doing is like the 10 and, and you know, most often it's probably the $100 an hour work. But if you want to grow a, a business that is, you know, that has that real impact and real profit, then you can't be doing that with $100 an hour work. You need to be moving to, to $1,000 and $10,000 per hour work. And so shifting that in terms of your productivity and delegation, it doesn't have to be full-time employees. You don't need that necessarily unless you want that. You can use contractors, you can use part-time, you can use different outsourcing services. That's what will shift you to doing a lot more higher value work. So true. Do you have any tips for people that want to get into big corporations for consulting? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, our clients work with any, anything from uh, small, you know, uh, entrepreneurial, like funded startups, all the way up to billion dollar organizations and, and nonprofits. You know, what's important to remember is you're always dealing with people. Sometimes people get scared. Oh, I need to try to get into a big corporation and you know, they just back off and then say, no, I better start off smaller. And, you know, once I'm more confident or once I'm more successful or whatever, then I'll, I'll move into that. But you don't need to do that. As long as you have real expertise and value that you can deliver to that level of client, meaning that they have a problem and you can solve it, then the first thing you should do is the same thing you should do even if you're targeting a smaller sized organization. And that is to build a relationship, to figure out how can you add value. So here's a very simple step that you could take or a series of steps. Identify that person on LinkedIn, right? Who is the buyer? Who is the key client, the ideal client that you have on LinkedIn, right? In that organization, reach out to them, send them a connection request. When they accept it, go back and send them a message, you know, comment on something that you saw that they've done uh, or that you like, mention something you've done for another similar client uh, or that you've done, you know, in, a, in your kind of past life in the corporate world, offer to share something that they would find valuable that's connected to that. And if they would like it, and many people will respond yes to that. Well, now you've sent that over. They know who you are. You can now pick up the phone, give them a call, check in and see how they've enjoyed it or send them another follow-up email. You're building a relationship, right? And then from there, you're able to create a conversation to transition that to an actual phone call or a meeting, learn uh, and go deeper into what's really going on and how you might be able to help them. And then start off with what we call a discovery offer, right? So a kind of smaller stage, first step project. A common mistake that consultants make is they go in and they think, well, I need to start with a, a massive engagement. I need to, to land a half million dollar deal or even a $50,000 deal or $150,000 deal. And that's what they're focused on. But if you've never worked with that organization before, there's a lot more risk for them in investing into a larger size project with you. Not just money risk, right? There's obviously financial risk, but there's also risk around time and resources that they need to devote to that project. So a much more effective way in almost all cases is to figure out how can you go in and deliver something that is maybe between, you know, it could be $5,000 to $10,000, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. We typically see anywhere from like $1,500 to $15,000, depending on the size of the organization. But get your foot in the door, deliver an assessment, an audit, a workshop, right? Some kind of a, an experience that allows them to really see that you can deliver on what you say that you can and uh, that they can get some value. When they've done that, when they feel they can trust you and that you really are credible and you've delivered results, now they're much, much more likely. In fact, they're going to you know, desire to get you to continue and move deeper so they can extract more and more value from you and from that relationship. And so that's how you go from a much smaller engagement first to get your foot in the door to a much uh, larger size engagement with a much shorter sales cycle. That's awesome. Love that. Hey, tell us about your podcast. And I know there's tons of stuff on your website as well on people that they could just download. Tell us about your podcast, though. Sure. So it's called the Consulting Success Podcast. Um, we are a little bit over 100 episodes in right now. We have about 20,000 plus downloads per month, which is growing every single month. And uh, it's where I interview successful consultants that are working uh, with organizations, and it might be for-profit or non-profit 
these are consultants that are typically earning anywhere from $300,000 a year all the way up to more than $20 million a year. And these are successful authors or people that you've never heard of, but they're just really good at what they do. And they're all over the world and so in all different industries. And so I interview them just to have them share what their journey has been about and what lessons they've learned along the way. I mean, my whole mission, the reason that I do what I do is and the reason that uh, my cousin Sam and I started Consulting Success was really just to share with people what we were going through, the lessons that we were learning, both what was working well, the best practices, but also the failures and challenges that we had with the hope that people wouldn't need to repeat uh, those mistakes that we made. And so that's really what the podcast is also about. It's bringing different perspectives and ideas and strategies for other consultants to benefit from. And it's a lot of fun. Very cool. Well, congratulations. 100 episodes is a milestone for sure. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I remember when I got to 100 and I was like, this is really, really fun. Uh, that's a lot of weeks because I'm only once a week. So very cool. Hey, are you ready for our signature question, Michael? Let's do it. I am really passionate about systemizing and getting people back their time to do what they want to do in life. If you had one more hour in your day, 25 hours every day, what would you do with your extra hour? Spent playing with my, my daughters. That's cool. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> Absolutely. How old are your kids? So Ray is turning four and Sarah is five months. Oh, wow. Brand new. Yeah. Yeah. I can see why an extra hour would be very beneficial to spend. Yeah. But you know, it's, even though I say that I spend plenty of time with my family. I've been very focused from, you know, the early days on figuring out ways to, to create a, a great balance of, of work and, and life. Uh, so I prioritize my work, you know, and the business and how we interact with our clients uh, around what works for for me and for the family, and so that's you know starting off the day with obviously going to the gym for for me, and then spending time with my family, and then going to work and you know heading out of the office uh, pretty pretty early so that I can spend more time with family and friends and loved ones. It's been a big focus for me is you know focusing on I guess memories rather than just on material things. Very cool. Well, I'm happy for that. Is there anything that you want to add that I didn't even think to ask you about, Michael? Uh, no, I mean, I th- just just to say you're doing a great job here, Nancy, with all the different people that, that you've been interviewing uh, over the years. And yeah, just keep it up because you're doing a great service to a lot of people. I appreciate that. And do you want to give a quick shout out for your amazing report? I just downloaded it before we had this call. Oh, 47 awesome. Consulting Tips. Yeah, do you want to tell people where they can find that? Yeah, definitely. If, if you're a consultant or you're looking to get into consulting and you want to learn how to grow a more successful consulting business, We have a free 47-page consulting blueprint that takes you through some best practices on how to make that happen. Uh, You can get that by going to consultingsuccess.com forward slash blueprint. Very cool. Uh, Say that one more time and I'll put that in the show notes. Sure. It's consultingsuccess.com forward slash blueprint. Got it. Very cool. And anything else you want to share? Maybe your social media so people can connect with you there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, people can just go onto uh, LinkedIn. It's probably the, the best place to get started and type in Michael Zapersky. There's only uh, one of me in the world, I believe. Um, so I should not be too hard to find. But yeah, it's Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Last name is Zapersky, uh, Z-I-P-U-R-S-K-Y. Very cool. Well, Michael, thanks so much for sharing some tips on consulting. I know a lot of people will benefit from this episode for sure. And listeners, I rolled out a program for business owners looking to systemize their companies in 30 days or less. We go really fast. If you're feeling overwhelmed and overworked, let's talk about this and get you back on track and some time back. We work side by side. We actually create the systems together so you leave with a finished product. Just go to nancygains.com to check it out. 
And if you love this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. And until next time, go out and gain the advantage. You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygaines.com. That's Nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S, dot com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.